This morning's scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. In the Pew Bibles, it'll be page 911. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, Lo, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The question we're posing this morning is this. Is the kingdom of God present or is it future? Has it already come or is it yet to come? The answer we're going to give is it is present and it is future. It is present in one way. It is future in another way. And getting a handle on how it is present and how it is future is absolutely crucial to your faith in these days. It's crucial for the kindling of your hope in the glory that is yet to come and how that hope has been secured by real down payments of the kingdom hope in the past. And it's crucial for getting a handle on how much of it may be expected in the present and how much of it may not be expected in the present. These are utterly, utterly crucial issues in our day for asking how much kingdom power is here and how much isn't. Let me direct your text now to a text that regards it as present and a text that regards it as still future and not present. First, the one that Dallas read. Luke 17:20. the Pharisees ask when the kingdom of God was coming, and he said... The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. It's not coming to be observed. Nor will they say, lo, here it is, or there. Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Because I'm in the midst of you. When Jesus came, the kingdom came. When he stands in the midst, the kingdom is in the midst. If you have a version that says, the kingdom of God is within you, King James Version, that's not a good translation. It's grammatically permissible, but it's not good. And the reason it's not good is because you can't say that about the Pharisees to whom he's talking. The kingdom of God was not in the Pharisees. He who receives the kingdom like a little child receives the kingdom and has it within him. Not the Pharisees. That's a bad translation. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. I'm in the midst of you. When I arrive... The kingdom has come. That's the point of this text. And it was very different from what they expected because they were expecting something far more observable than just this Jewish teacher coming onto the scene. They were expecting that the Romans would be defeated, the people of Israel would be vindicated, a kingdom of justice and righteousness would be established. Cataclysm wasn't happening. Now, let me direct your attention to a text where the kingdom is not present. In fact, Jesus warns against thinking that it's present and says that it's going to be way off in the future sometime. Luke 19, if you want to look at it with me. Luke 19, and we'll look at verses 11 and 12. This is the beginning of a parable. We won't read the whole parable. You can do that later, but you'll get the gist as soon as you see the first two verses of it. Luke 19, verse 11. 
As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem headquarters. And because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom and then to return. Get it? Jesus is warning here in parabolic form against their expectation that the kingdom was there. Here's Jerusalem, the headquarters. Here comes this band of men, the insurrectionists. The revolution could be fomented in a minute, given the spirit of the times. Jerusalem could be taken over. A puppet government set up. Rome driven out by the power of the angels that would come down. A kingdom established. The people vindicated. It's over. It's here. And Jesus tells a parable to say, there was a noble man who went into a far country. Far. Far country. It could take him a long time to get there. A long time to get back. And he'll receive his kingdom when he gets there. He'll bring it back when he comes. And you all know who that refers to. Jesus. So, the kingdom is not here. It's coming. In the future. Long way off in the future. 2,000 years at least we know now. So it's present and it's not present. He says, it's in the midst of you. The kingdom is in the midst of you. In another place, he says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Matthew 12, 28. So which is it? Is it coming or is it here? And the answer, of course, is that it's both. That's always the way you handle issues like this in the Scripture. Isn't it? I hope it is. Let me sum it up like this. According to Matthew 12, 28 and Luke 17, 20 and 21, the kingdom is here because the king is here. And he is intruding into history with the powers of the kingdom. But he warns that given the expectation of the kingdom that they have, and that indeed is laid out in the Old Testament in large measure, it isn't here and you must not think that it's here. It's coming way off in the future. Namely, that day when he would come in power and great glory on the clouds with the last trumpet, with the holy angels in flaming fire wreaking vengeance on his enemies and gathering his people from the four winds and establishing his throne on the earth. That was not coming at the first appearance of Jesus Christ, the King. That's what the nobleman went to get in the far country later will bring. But there is kingdom. There is power. There is the king present here. And this was, of course, very confusing. This was very confusing. It confused John the Baptist, and he had to send word, are you the one who is to come, or aren't you? I'm confused. I don't get it. The Romans aren't being defeated. It confused the crowd so that one time they wanted to throw him off a cliff, and another time they wanted to take him and make him king. It confused Pilate. Are you the king or aren't you the king? Would you give me a straight answer? I can't understand you. It confused the apostles between Good Friday and Easter. We had hoped he was the one to restore and redeem Israel. But 
I guess he wasn't. It was a confusing coming, that first coming of the king. And this confusion Jesus calls the mystery of the kingdom. And I want you to look at the mystery of the kingdom with me so that we don't have the same confusion anymore that they had. And I want to take you to Matthew 13 and quickly walk through a few of these parables of the kingdom with you because what Jesus does in Matthew 13 is try to unfold for us the mystery of the kingdom. Now let me tell you in advance what my understanding of the mystery of the kingdom is. The mystery of the kingdom is that the kingdom has come, real fulfillments of Old Testament kingdom prophecy are in the offing, and yet the consummation of the kingdom remains in the distant future at a point that nobody knows but God. That's the mystery. You see, the Old Testament saw both dimensions, but it saw them all intertwined. You have an Isaiah 53 with a suffering servant, but you have other texts in which there's a cataclysmic inbreaking of God to defeat his enemies and vindicate his people. And the New Testament, I mean, the Old Testament doesn't nicely say, and this one will happen uh, in whatever the year was in those days, A.D. 32 or whatever, and this one will happen... 2,100 years later, it doesn't do that. It just kind of squishes them all together. And so when Jesus came, the people had a very hard time piecing together what in the world was coming here. Look at verse 11 of Matthew 13. To you it has been given to know the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. By the way, don't confuse uh, yourself by thinking kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are separate realities. They aren't. They mean the same thing. And if you want to see texts that prove that, you'll have to get the type script in the file cabinet next week because I've got them all down here, but we don't have time to look at them. The kingdom of heaven is the same as the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Now what was that? What were they seeing that had longed to be seen by the prophets and wise men of old? And the answer was the kingdom. The king and the kingdom were there. And those who had eyes to see saw it. And those who didn't, didn't see it. Blessed are your eyes. God graced are your eyes. God opened are your eyes. Yours is, you are given, granted, freely to see and know the mystery of the kingdom. Namely, it's here without consummation. Don't be confused. I am the king. It is here, Jesus says. Now, in seven parables, he unfolds, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, the mystery of the kingdom. Let's look at just a few of them. 
Uh, the parable of the sower, starting with its interpretation maybe in verse 18. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, now notice that, word of the kingdom. That's the same as gospel of the kingdom we talked about last week. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, four things can happen, right? Remember this, we won't take time to read it, let's just remember them. Satan can snatch that word of the kingdom away, or the heat of trouble can burn it up, or the cares and thorns of the world can choke it out, or it can bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. So here it is, the king arrives, he proclaims, our God reigns. Isaiah 52, 7, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you get a 25% lousy response. That's not the way the kingdom was supposed to come. The kingdom was going to sweep the world. The kingdom was going to be totally victorious. The kingdom was going to be earth-shaking and cataclysmic. Not one rejects here and one rejects here and one rejects here and here's a little 30%er over here. That's not the way the kingdom was coming. That's a mystery. The mystery of the kingdom is the arrival of the word of the kingdom proclaimed by the king and a lousy, no good 25% response. That's the mystery of the kingdom. Or look at the parable of the wheat and the tares. Starting at verse 24. Another parable he put before them saying... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing good seed. This is Jesus the sower. The son of man is called the sower. He's planting the sons of the kingdom. And then the enemy comes in and he plants the sons of the evil one. And they start growing up. Wheat and weeds all mixed up together. And the disciples or the workers say, well, shall we go out and clean up the kingdom? Shall we make the kingdom really come? I mean, the kingdom is supposed to be really powerful and pure and take over the field, right? And Jesus said, no, let them grow now. This is the mystery of the kingdom. The kingdom coming and side by side with unbelievers Kingdom children and evil people growing without being separated, often confused with each other, growing side by side. And then at the end of the age, at the second coming, the angels are sent out and the wheat is put in the barns and the tares are thrown into hell. The mystery of the kingdom is the division of the coming of the kingdom into a first coming that is mixed and partial and impure and small and partially ineffective from a later coming which will finish the job. Look at the uh, interpretation there in verse 41 of this parable. It says, The Son of Man will send His angels... They will gather out of his kingdom. Notice that. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evil. In the kingdom. You've got the, these, these tares and these uh, evil doers. And he will, he will gather them out and burn them. So here is a mysterious thing. A kingdom with, with 
weeds in it. Then look at the mustard seed parable. Verses 31 and 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of the shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its branches. Now, what's the mystery of the kingdom? The mystery of the kingdom is that the kingdom came as a mustard seed and not a military coup. A mustard seed and not a military coup. A mustard seed. Who would have ever dreamed the king would come like a mustard seed? That the kingdom would arrive and start to grow like a mustard seed. One little Jewish teacher, 12 half-baked men, little 120 group All kinds of scared, imperfect people. Just mustard seed. That's all it was. And that was the mystery. The kingdom came like a mustard seed. Blowing everybody's mind. Wrecking everybody's expectation. This isn't the way it's supposed to come. This is a mystery. One more. Let's look at the parable of the net in verses 47 to 50. Again... The kingdom of heaven is like a net which was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into vessels, but threw threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. And throw them into the furnace of fire. Now this is a remarkable parable. For two reasons. They are both shocking. One more than the other. First of all. The kingdom power. As it exerts its force in the world. Is like a net. Gathering. And we all know that a net doesn't gather all the fish in the sea. And therefore, there's the first part of the mystery. It just leaves out a lot of people as it gathers fish. The second part of the mystery is more shocking. A lot of the people gathered in the kingdom are bad fish and will go to hell. You get this now? The kingdom is a power. It extends itself into the world. It begins to gather a people. It gathers fish of all kinds into its sway and pulls them up onto shore. There are many people left out there outside the kingdom. This kingdom power is drawing people in. And some are saved and some are lost. Some are believers And some are hypocrites. Some are fake in the church. In fact, Matthew 7.22 says, many are fake. Many will say to me in that day, did we not do 
many mighty works in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? You know what that means? Were we not in the net? Did we, were we not there the night when the demons were cast out? Were our hands not lying upon the person when they were healed? Have I not done works in your name? And Jesus will say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. The mystery of the kingdom is not only that the kingdom comes like a mustard seed, not transforming the whole world overnight, but that even in the sway of kingdom power, people are swept into religion and die. Why? Because they love healing more than holiness. Because they love power more than purity. Because they love wonders more than they love the will of God. So I close by just echoing a warning and an encouragement. Let me summarize where we've been and then give you the warning and the encouragement. What we've seen so far is that the kingdom is here in Jesus Christ. It's here. And yet the kingdom is not yet here. There are fulfillments, and yet the consummation awaits the last day in the Lord's triumphant coming. That's the basic point of the message. This surprising intrusion ahead of the time before the consummation that blew everybody's mind in Jesus' day is called the mystery of the kingdom. A mustard seed. Who would have ever dreamed that the atom bomb of the kingdom would look like a mustard seed? But it's that way. That's the mystery of the kingdom. Fulfillment in powerful working like a mustard seed growing into a tree and leaven leavening a whole lump and wheat growing among weeds and a word that goes out with a small 25% response like a pearl hidden in a field or like a treasure hidden in a field and a little pearl in an oyster. This is the mystery of the kingdom. Now, the warning is plain. First, do not jump to the conclusion that more can be demanded in this age than God has appointed for this age. There are blessings to be reserved for the age to come. But second, do not jump to the conclusion that in the powerful working of the kingdom that is exerting itself today and gathering in many kinds of fish. In fact, it says all kinds of fish. I'm tempted to allegorize here and say every people, tongue, tribe, and nation, but I won't. <laughs> all kinds of fish being gathered in. Don't jump to the conclusion that everybody in the net's a Christian even if they do mighty works. He will come on that day and separate the good fish and the bad, the wheat and the tares. Ours is to examine ourselves and love holiness more than healing, 
purity more than power, the will of our Father in heaven more than signs and wonders. That is the test at the last day. Now, the encouragement. The kingdom has come, brothers and sisters. It's here. The kingdom has come. Its powers are being exerted in the world. Jesus Christ, the King, has taken his throne beside the Father and is reigning until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. The King has wrought once for all at the end of the age a salvation and a redemption and a cleansing for sin on the cross. A righteousness of the King now already is yours by faith. The King's power is already clothing those who will ask Him and put on the clothing of power. The King's Spirit is already now dwelling within you. The King's holiness is already now being worked within you. The King's joy and peace has already been left and given to you. The King's victory over Satan now can be had by the wielding of the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And the King's gifts... The gifts of the Holy Spirit are yours now for the work of the ministry, for the ingathering of God's elect from all over the world, and for the glory of His name. And so my encouragement to us as a church is with all sobriety, knowing the mystery of the kingdom and its limitations, let us press on to discover by the grace of God's Spirit, what measure of kingdom power He might grant to saved sinners like you and me. Let us do what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom first. Forget every other seeking in your life and go for broke for the kingdom and see what kingdom power He might be pleased to grant you in your life. And the way I'd like us to close is just by admonishing each other In that song that I think we all know by heart, and you'll pick it up, we'll sing it twice maybe, just seek ye first the kingdom of God. And let's just bow and very prayerfully make the singing of this song an affirmation to God that our number one greatest priority in life is to come under the sway of His kingdom with all of its righteousness, all of its holiness, all of its purity, all of its obedience to Christ, and whatever measure of giftedness and power he is pleased to grant.